You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Phoenix. Hello my radio friends, welcome to the program today. I'm glad you've joined me and that you want to know more about God's holy book, the Bible. Have you ever heard about the myth, the legend of the phoenix? In case you don't know, a phoenix is a mystical bird that supposedly rises from the ashes of its predecessors. It is supposed to be about the size of an eagle and is supposedly coloured fiery red. This myth is known in China, Japan, Russia, parts of Europe, Egypt and among the Native Americans. Like the sun setting at night and rising in the morning, the phoenix supposedly dies and then rises from the ashes. The name Phoenix is probably derived from the ancient land of Phoenicia. There have been many discussions and articles and books written about whether Jesus actually rose from the dead after being crucified by the Romans at Calvary. Muslims generally, but not exclusively, believe that Jesus did not die at the crucifixion. The basis for this belief is from the Quran, which says, They said in boast, We killed Christ Jesus, the Son of Mary, the Messenger of Allah, but they killed him not, nor crucified him. Nay, Allah raised him up to himself, and Allah is exalted in power. Yet the Bible leaves no doubt that Jesus actually and completely died and three days later rose from the dead. So which is right? Is it the Bible or the Quran, along with other sceptics who agree with the Muslim point of view? Today, I want to share with you eight reasons why you can believe Jesus did rise from the dead. Number one reason. Jesus revealed himself to the disciples that this would happen. In Mark 8.31, the Bible says, And he began to teach them that he, the Son of Man, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. The same thing is recorded in Matthew 17.22 and Luke 9. 22. It seems that the disciples did not understand at first what Jesus told them, but they later understood. Now, do you think Jesus spoke the truth? Well, it was well known by even Christ's enemies that he was to be trusted. One day the Pharisees wanted to trap Jesus into contradicting himself. They came and, by means of introduction, said, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, 
nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. And if you want to read that, it's in Matthew 22, verse 16. What they were saying was, We know that you're a man of integrity, and that you impartially tell the truth, regardless of the status of your hearers. Given Christ's integrity and the acceptance of that even by his enemies is a good reason to believe that what he said about his death and resurrection was true. Now we come to number two reason. The Bible records that Jesus died on Friday and was buried in the tomb made originally for Joseph. The tomb was sealed by the Romans with a large, flat, round stone, and, as was customary, it was held firmly in place with an iron band secured to the rock face by iron pegs. Jesus remained in the tomb, resting in death during the Sabbath, and rose early Sunday morning. When the women who were first on the scene on Sunday morning arrived, two men in white, that's two angels, told them, He's not here. He is risen. Naturally, the women were perplexed. What could have happened? There are several theories. The first is that Jesus' enemies, the Pharisees, might have stolen the body. The trouble with that idea is that those Jewish leaders did everything possible to disprove what Jesus said. They would have been delighted to produce Jesus' body and say, There you are. He said he would rise again, but didn't. He's a fraud. Here's the evidence. Unfortunately for them, there was no body to produce. The second theory was that Jesus' friends, his disciples, stole the body. The problem with that idea is that a guard of Roman soldiers was stationed around the tomb to prevent anyone stealing the body. In addition, the grave clothes were all folded and left neatly in place. If the disciples had stolen the body, they would hardly have taken the time to remove the grave clothes from the corpse and leave them behind, neatly folded, the third theory was that Jesus was not really dead. That's a huge stretch of the imagination. The Romans were in charge of the crucifixion and offenders were not taken down from the cross until they were dead. Just before being crucified, Jesus was so exhausted from carrying the cross up Golgotha's hill that he collapsed and someone else was made to carry the cross. Then, straight afterwards, Jesus was crucified and, bleeding profusely, was barely able to breathe. Later that day, a spear was thrust through his side to make sure he was dead. From that spear wound, blood and watery fluid gushed out. Now, if when lying in the tomb, if he had regained consciousness, he would have hardly been in a fit state to roll away that giant stone and break the iron band sealing the tomb. 
And even if that were possible, Jesus' feet and hands were so severely damaged by the iron spikes nailed through them at the crucifixion that walking and moving the stone would have been impossible. No, the theory that Jesus was not dead isn't plausible. The fourth theory is plausible. It is that God raised Jesus. And that's what the Bible indicates. And it's what I believe. God is the life giver and can raise the dead. Now, number three reason is this. At the crucifixion and immediately afterwards, the disciples were so afraid they hid together in a secret hiding place for fear of the Jews. And you can read that in John chapter 20, verse 19. Yet, a short time afterwards, the disciples were out in public confidently preaching that Jesus had been crucified but had risen. Acts chapter 4 records how the Jewish leaders heard about what was happening and had Peter and John arrested and imprisoned for preaching that Christ had resurrected. The next day those two were put to trial in front of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish upper echelon. Instead of being afraid, Peter and John spoke boldly to all those dignitaries. In verse 10, Peter said, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by him, this man, that's the lame man who'd been healed, stands here before you whole. And then Peter proclaimed, Nor is there any salvation in any other than Jesus, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The Jewish leaders had no answer. How could such uneducated men as Peter and John speak with such convincing boldness and authority if Jesus was defeated and shown to be a liar and if he was still dead? All the disciples spoke of Jesus' resurrection with power and certainty wherever they went. Now we come to number four reason. Saul, the persecutor, who later became Paul, the missionary, was on his way to Damascus to arrest Christians. His idea was to stamp out Christianity by arresting and killing all its followers, a bit like what the Roman church did during the dark and middle ages to the Protestants. On the way to Damascus, as recorded in Acts chapter 9, Suddenly a bright light from heaven shone around Paul. Paul fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And if you want to read that for yourself in the Bible... 
It's from Acts chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. And at that point, Paul committed his life to the Lord. From then on, Paul preached right across Asia Minor about the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ who died to save people from their sins and about his resurrection. He risked his life for Jesus' sake. And since that time, millions of others have risked their lives on the basis that Jesus lives again. Many of those faithful Christians have been persecuted and killed because they were absolutely certain that what they believed was true. We're going to have a break here and go on straight afterwards. to number five reason. If a movement is not certain about its founding principles and beliefs, it will die out. One of the fundamental beliefs of Christianity is that Jesus lives and is in heaven with God the Father administering forgiveness 
to repentant sinners. If Christians are not sure of what they believe, the movement they belong to will fail. Now, what happened to early Christianity? The church spread rapidly on the power of the testimony that Jesus was raised from the dead. The lordship of Christ over all the nations is based on his victory over death. If Jesus remained dead, Christianity would be a total waste of time. Now we come to number six reason. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 to 6, the Apostle Paul writes, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures, and was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, and then by the twelve. After that he was seen by over five hundred brethren at once. Here, Paul points out that there were many witnesses who saw Jesus after the resurrection. And then the Apostle Paul records in, uh, the Apostle Peter records in Second Peter 1 verse 16, he says, We've not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his glory and majesty. Peter saw for himself the risen Saviour, and no one could tell him that Jesus was not risen from the dead and that he simply saw a ghost. No way. Peter had no doubts that who he saw was the resurrected Christ. Now, number seven reason. There is power and glory in the proclamation of Christ's intervention on sinful mankind's behalf. The book of Hebrews plainly tells of Jesus interceding for us now. A dead Christ would not be able to forgive sins any better than a dead cat. A saving knowledge of Christ crucified and risen is not mere knowledge of right reasoning about historical facts. It is the result of spiritual illumination from the Holy Spirit to see those facts for what they really are, a revelation from a, a revelation of truth and glory of God in the face of Christ. The Holy Spirit, amongst other things, does the following as recorded in John 16, verses 13 and 14. These are the words of Jesus. And he said, When he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. It is incredible to observe the power and change that enters the lives of those who are convicted of the truth about Christ and commit themselves to him. 
This is no natural phenomena. It is no hypnosis. It is real. There are thousands of stories that could be told of people whose lives are full of crime, disappointment and hate, who, when they discovered and accepted the love of Jesus into their lives, changed and became beautiful, law-abiding, fulfilled, loving Christians. This sort of thing does not happen by itself. There is power, the power of a risen Saviour that changes lives. Now we come to the last, that is number eight reason. This evidence is from non-biblical, that is secular, historians. The one I want to quote from today is the Jewish historian Josephus, who lived in the time period of Christ's time on earth. And this is what he wrote. About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the Messiah. And when upon the accusation of the principal men among us, Pilate had condemned him to a cross, those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them, spending a third day restored to life, for the prophets of God had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him. And the tribe of the Christians so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. And did you notice that last bit? He, the resurrected Christ, appeared to them spending a third day restored to life. For the prophets of old had foretold these things and a thousand other marvels about him. There is some question about what the Roman historia, historian Tacitus, as well as Pliny and Suetonius, all Roman historians, had to say to prove Jesus' resurrection. They all, however, noted the growth and strength of the Christian movement. Finally today, I want to share with you the implications of what would it would exist if Jesus is not resurrected. Firstly, you could throw your Bible away because in the New Testament there are many references saying that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. Secondly, your faith would be worthless. Your religious practice would all be in vain. Thirdly, what we claim as truth would be a lie. Fourthly, all who died in the hope of being resurrected and having eternal life would have perished, never to live again. Fifthly, no sinners would ever be forgiven, because although Jesus died for our sins, 
There'd be no redemption unless he lives to impart forgiveness in order to reconcile us to God the Father. Sixthly, all the effort, all the sacrifice, and all the good works done by Christians would be pointless. Seventh, if Jesus only died but failed to rise from the dead, then Satan would still remain the prince of this world. There would be no end to sin. The universe would be blighted forever with evil. Now the eighth point. If Christ had remained dead, the rest of the world would be justified in deriding and laughing at Christians, for we would have placed our hopes and aspirations in a lie. I thank God sincerely that Jesus did not remain in the grave. He's a risen Saviour, and he's my Saviour. The $64,000 question today is, is he your Saviour too? If not, why don't you come to him, put your life in his hands, ask for his forgiveness, and enjoy the freedom from guilt and have the peace and reassurance that only he can give. Well, that's all for today, my friends. So why don't you join me again next time for another presentation in the series Give Me the Bible. <laughs> 